Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. I'm Mark Dolan and it's time for Headliners, the show in which comedians join forces not to fight crime, but to say funny lines. Speaking truth to power tonight are a dynamic duo, the immovable feast that is Miriam Elia and the unstoppable Andrew Doyle, who I don't recommend eating. How are we both? Good. I like that name. I might start introducing myself like that. It sounds like a superhero or something like that. It does. Well, you've been a superhero to me. You're like a plain clothes (laughs) superhero. Oh, this is just flirtation at this point. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. Uh, lots of stories to get through. And it's light and shade tonight, isn't it, Miriam? It's sorry? Light and shade. It's light and shade tonight. Yeah. I'm, I'm determined to spend the hour just doing platitudes. <laughs> <laughs> the less I say, yeah, only the better. Speaking Great. Slogans, like a politician. Yeah. Now as long as talking. it's meaningful. That's what we tried to do. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at tomorrow's front pages and we'll start with the Daily Mail. And they are running with this. Rob, free speech to get legal supremacy. Free speech will be given legal supremacy over other rights to stop debate from being eroded, according to Dominic Rob, the Justice Secretary today. In an exclusive interview with The Mail, the Deputy Prime Minister warns that democratic debate is being whittled away by wokery. Meanwhile, front page of the Daily Telegraph, Russians prepare to scale back invasion, a story I'll be discussing with Miriam very shortly. And PM claims Sunak snubbed his plan to keep energy cap. More trouble between number 10 and number 11 by the looks of it. The Independent, evidence of mass graves in Mariupol, say the UN. What a horrific story that is. The Guardian, deadliest, deadliest single attack in Ukraine, killed 300. Authorities in Mariupol have said as many as 300 people were killed in a Russian bombing of a theatre last week, putting a death toll for the first time on the deadliest single attack since Moscow invaded Ukraine a month ago. The FT weekend. Russia says Ukraine war in new phase as focus turns to Donbass. The Daily Mirror, sling your hook. Boris Johnson last night supported the growing calls for shameless P&O chief Peter Hebblethwaite to step down. Maybe he should walk the plank. The <laughs> Times on Saturday, Russians retreating to eastern Ukraine. Kremlin will focus on Donbass after setbacks. Daily Express, J.K. Rowling hits back at ranting Putin. A story we'll cover uh, shortly. In fact, those are your front pages. We'll start with Saturday's Telegraph and a top story in that paper. Perhaps the beginning of the end of this terrible war, Miriam. Yeah, we good. Dare dream? Yeah, they're, they're, they're retreating. They're moving back. It's over, isn't it? I mean, it's not over, but they're definitely not doing, you know, didn't Putin say, I thought I could do this in four days? Yeah. And it's been two weeks and he hasn't done it. So that's good. I mean, according to this, yeah, he's saying he wants to focus on the liberation of Donbass, but... Um, yeah, after a month of fighting, they're all knackered. And apparently, uh, one of their lieutenants ran over his captain with his own tank because he was so frustrated. What are we doing? That's not great, is it? No. You, you do feel now that the project of t- 
taking Ukraine is now off the table. I think so. Yeah. And do you think that Putin will be looking for a gold-plated ladder to climb down? And will the West be able to offer it to him? Yes, he will. And no, they won't. Mm. I mean, that sinks <laughs> way of putting it. I mean, it just, it just strikes me that, you know, uh, this was never something that he s- said he was out to do. It wasn't all about the Donbass region. He wanted to take Kiev. And, he, you know, th- this is something it feels like backtracking a little bit because yeah. he hadn't realised he would have the kind of resistance that he faced from Zelensky and the, and the Ukrainian yeah. resistance. And the world media as well. Exactly. Yeah. Didn't go I to mean, plan. It didn't did go it? to plan at and this all. This is a man who wrestles with bears. He's not used to defeat. No. So Doesn't wrestle with cameras. He, no, he doesn't. <laughs> and news reporters. It is sort of bad for him because, it, in a way, this is very positive because he needs to be able to say to the Russian people, we've won. Mm-hmm. So we went in there and we've done this. The, the, the Donbass region... 80% ethnically Russians, although they're obviously Ukrainian citizens, but they feel, you know, there are separatist movements there, have been since 2014 with mm. the annexation of Crimea. So it makes sense to say, well, if we can get this region, we can say that we've achieved what we set out to achieve. He still gets to be the big man, uh, which is going to be really important. When you've got someone like Putin, if he can't sell it as a win, he'll go all out. And, and so this strikes me as actually a much safer, mm. although, you know, it's still not good for Ukraine to, lo- to, to lose the Donbass No, region. no. But it's no. good that they're talking about negotiations, you know, in a yeah. civilised way. That, that, I think, is They should have done point. that before. Clearly, yeah. I, actually, a, a, you know, this a, is deal. what I thought two weeks ago. Well, Didn't yeah. you just sat down? It's always a... like you can't get through to Vladimir Putin. <laughs> I know. He's so stubborn. But, but the, the issue you've got is, is about what Zelensky will accept as well yes. by way of a peace deal. So, for example, Ukraine will, will likely have to promise never to join NATO. We'll have to. There's, I mean, there's absolutely no way it can be. That, that's what this whole thing is about from Russia's yeah. perspective. Oh, not, might, might not be entirely a terrible thing, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that, that's not a hill to die on, perhaps, for, for Zelensky. He, he lets so. NATO go. If it means peace and stability... What about region, EU membership? Well, that's probably going to be on the table as well, isn't it? Surely, mm-hmm. I would have thought. And yeah. if it can be the case that, you know, ultimately, with the, with, as with any negotiation, you have to leave with the impression that both sides have won, or at least won something. And Zelensky, you know, it would seem to be that, you know, pledging never, making this treaty saying we're never going to join NATO, never going to join the EU. Putin gets to say we've reclaimed this area, which was principally Russian or ethnically Russian. You know, it looks like it's a possible sort of... Everyone's a winner. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I couldn't negotiate my way out of a paper bag. (laughs) It looks like there's a way out, whereas before we were all talking about World War Three and nuclear annihilation, because that's how positive we are. Yeah, yeah I couldn't actually believe that, though. No. I still don't. You're a rationalist. No, I'm a rationalist. Yeah. I think that that's, again, it's another, we're all going to die. Yeah, really, sort of project fear. It's another project fear. I don't think anyone would do that. But they like dropping it in because it's juicy. You know, oh, nuclear war. <laughs> yeah. Well. Do you think that's the template now? <laughs> With which to control populations, yes, scare 100%. the bejesus out of them. Scare, scare so the bejesus out of them. You go from them. COVID to uh, nuclear war, glu- nuclear war, global warming. Yeah, so the, the idea is scare someone and then change their behaviour. But there's nothing new about that. And the media is always pushed <laughs> here anyway. And I mean, does that to me. I terrify people around here. Look, yeah. you've terrified me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, surely you know, saying we're on the brink of World War Three, that is a way to shift papers, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that, you know. But they have to, otherwise it's just banal. But it, yeah, but I mean, does old Putin, you know, he said he wasn't going to invade Ukraine. He did. Yeah. Uh, now we're supposed to take his word for it that he won't press the nuclear button. I believe this I is just think... coming from one general, though, isn't it? This is not, mm. this has not been official 
Putin policy. No, that's no. There's a lot of speculation going on here. This might all be nonsense. It is. But briefly, is there a way back for Putin if there is a peace deal? Can he go back to this broken country of Russia now and say, uh, nothing to see here, folks. It was really worth destroying the economy for <laughs> almost nothing. Well, how much do they know, though? Because, I mean, there's... Yeah. there's that's there's, true. They've there's, had a news blackout. Well, they'll, exactly. they'll know that so their currency know. is worthless and that there's no food on the table, I suppose. Yes, exactly. So, the, you know, the, uh, the, the sanctions will have had their effect, so people will know that something is amiss. Something's up. But they've been told, of course, that he was going in to deal with the uh, Nazis in, in the Donbass region, and they will have been told all sorts of things that aren't true. Yeah. Uh, so... But it, then we've uh, been told loads of things that aren't true, so... Sure. What is true? Well said. <laughs> On that in philosophical this post-truth <laughs> world that no, we live in, right. but we're, we're in controlled it. by a rational fear of, era of dying. Yeah, no, I, I can't disagree. Well, right. Saturday's Express now, and further proof that we are living in a bizarre world, Putin is using J.K. Rowling as a shield for his atrocities, Andrew. <laughs> I know, you wouldn't have thought that crossover was coming. No. But, you know, and, and, then, and now, of course, we have J.K. Rowling back on the front covers, as she often is at the moment, uh, but largely down to her views over um, transgender do. issues and women's rights. Um, but this is because Putin is, of course, saying that the West is trying to cancel Russia in the way that we've cancelled J.K. Rowling. Of course, J.K. Rowling hasn't been cancelled. That's the whole point. She can't be cancelled because she's far too she's... Uh, powerful. Um, and um, But that she's certainly been maligned and misrepresented and mischaracterised and all these terrible things simply for, for stating biological truths. But this is an interesting story because, uh, you know, this happens again and again. I even heard Chinese officials talking about, you know, you can't talk to us about freedom of speech when you in the West are always censoring people and, and, and your cancel culture. The thing about this woke stuff is that it makes us look ridiculous. It's not comparable, right? So obviously the war in Ukraine is yeah. absolutely not comparable to the attacks on J.K. Rowling, how, how horrific, as horrific as they are. Uh, but it gives people like Putin an opportunity to draw these tenuous comparisons because we look idiotic. Well, it's infantile, isn't yeah. it? But then it's not the same as literally imprisoning a journalist and torturing them to death or invading a country and yeah. killing lots of people. Um, so it's not... Do you know whether Leo Tolstoy has got himself in hot water over his views on uh, gender at all? Has, has, uh, has Dostoyevsky <laughs> been cancelled yet? Well, you say that, but at the, at the University of Milan, they did I don't remove him. They removed him from a course. Yeah. Uh, they did backtrack on that. Yeah. But similarly, we had the, the um, Russian state opera in this country cancel their productions. And again, it's not a re that's just branding, right? That's a British company. Yeah. Mm. Similarly, you had restaurants in America pouring Smirnoff vodka down the drains, even though Smirnoff is a British company. <laughs> so, so again and again, this sort of stuff has been happening. EA Games, didn't they remove all the Russian teams from their... Uh, from their video game. So there has Brilliant. been a kind of cultural boycott of various Russia. So Putin isn't wrong. And what does that serve that. exactly? That again to me is completely irrational. Yeah. But it is totally irrational. That's my point, is that yes. that's been going on and therefore he's. Like, well, two weeks ago it was uh, hate anti vaxxers and now it's Russians. Well, yeah, but this is actually extended to banning things it's... and actually and stopping performances and, and, and you know, it, it's just. It's, it is that's it's because they're all we're we are collectively led by this the whim of emotion it is yeah. no there's no reason debate no wonder Zelensky and Putin can't sit down and have a conversation well isn't that bad though when the sort of the discourse of Twitter ends up seeping into international yeah. politics correct I mean that's a really and bad imper situation. imperils our position in the West I yeah. mean that's the concerning thing and you mentioned about you know cancelling Russians it's gesture politics isn't yeah, of it course. It's, nonsense. it's all emotional gesture yeah that's why I'm not on it yeah I must tweet about that later <laughs>
<laughs> Miriam's not on Twitter. Some angry emojis. <laughs> I might block a few people. It makes me feel better. Uh, forgive me, I had a rich curry before we started. Saturday's Guardian are reporting on a seemingly unjustifiable new rail contract, Miriam. Yes, the transport group Go Ahead. Mm. Um, they've been awarded a contract. That's what it says on the tin, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, I'm not a fan of Britain's railways. A bit pricey, aren't they're they? They're a rip-off, aren't they? Yeah. If they were cheap, we could put up with the poor service, couldn't we? They're not only, they're not only expensive, they're ugly. Mm. Even the way they, they look. I mean, when I went to Sweden, I was just pulled over. They're the worst in Europe. It wouldn't. What? Our, our rail service is definitely the worst in Europe. It's terrible. Perhaps but, but, even the world. What, why, why, <laughs> why is Go Ahead there? So Go, Go, Ahead Go Ahead had... They've been awarded this new contract, even though they've been pretty incompetent in the past. Is that the point? Yeah, well, basically, uh, it's a bit like that line from Father Ted. Massive financial irregularities. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> the money was just resting in my account. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, so basically, there's all this kind of fraud, perhaps, going on, you know. Oh, that old chestnut. That old chestnut. But what are the it. sandwiches like on go-ahead buffet cars? Because that's all I care about. Well, this is the first I've heard of Go Ahead. I mean, what, you know, it's a terrible <laughs> go, name. Go Ahead. They, they've set themselves up for a fall, haven't they? They have, yeah. So that's, um, and what is it? They've now got this contract and people are calling it a sick joke that they can be, prove themselves to be so incompetent. They can be stripped of the Southeastern franchise and then now they get this huge new contract. I don't understand that. Why you reward? Isn't that failing? That's up? what we do in this society. We reward yeah, we you for being incompetent. It, it does look to have been a privatisation <laughs> too far, doesn't it? I it mean, does. I think they had great success with British Telecom and others, but uh, I don't think, I don't I think, think that the rail has worked out that well. No. Why don't we nationalise? There is a case for nationalising the rails. I mean, there yeah. really is. It hasn't worked out. No. Well, you know, we have, you know, a situation where trains are always late, as you were saying. Yeah. The, the service is really sloppy. Sloppy, disgusting, overpriced. Maybe we should take back control. Yeah. Or do we manage <laughs> expectations? Manage expectations and have, have companies that call themselves, we'll get you there eventually. <laughs> yeah, that might be good. Go ahead is misleading. Yeah, it's just too optimistic. It? It's just yeah. ridiculous that you can fly to Turkey for cheaper than going to Manchester. That, that to me is just... Although the Turkish food is better in Manchester, I think it's worth, <laughs> worth remembering that. No, I'm with Andrew. Renationalise the railways. There you go. Look at these two lefties. What are they <laughs> coming to? I thought the show was about balance. <laughs> now, uh, serious tone for uh, this story in Saturday's Mirror, Andrew. Ooh. A horrendous story. It's absolutely grim. Um, and this is this uh, Dr. Gary Jenkins who was murdered oh. uh, in Boot Park in Cardiff. Um, and there were three... Young people, so Jason Edwards, Lee Strickland, and Dion Timms Williams. Now, she was only 16 at the time, the other two, 26 and 36, and they were waiting there for a robbery uh, to attack a gay man in this area. Um, I, I, the judge said that he presumed the attack was because they felt that a, a gay man would be an easy target because this would be someone who is presumably closeted. This is an area where yeah. men meet each other for sex, and therefore he might not go to report uh, an attack, but the, the brutality of the attack, which was caught on CCTV, is so horrific. It is, uh, it, it, and they've been charged with murder. They claimed manslaughter, but they've done, been done for murder. Um, and I don't really want to repeat the details of the attack. No, it's, it's so horrible. horrible. Um, and what can you say about? It? I mean, it's it's just absolutely incredible that this kind of. I mean, it, it's a reminder that these things still do happen. Yep. Yeah. There is still anti-gay hatred. Yeah. Uh, it's so rare, which is wonderful. You know, it was so when I was a young person, it was you know you wouldn't walk hand in hand with another man down the street because there would be fear, and that's gone away. And we've made so much progress, but we do always have to remember that there's still these pockets of just absolute viciousness 
out there, and it's just one of the most depressing stories, I think. Yeah, when I was growing up and I had gay friends, they lived in fear of, and there was an expression for it, gay bashers. Yes, yeah. that's right. Which yeah. is a very trivial term for what my, is My uncle, crime. Philip Salon, yeah. Really, happened yeah. Many times, so, yeah. I it, it, was, it was a commonplace, I mean, and I've known people who've been attacked, and, and it's, yeah. It's, it, the maybe, thing, they, maybe these areas that they meet need to be policed. Well, they often are. And they often were, you know. I'm it'll sorry, never but catch on. <laughs> it'll never catch on, but there should be some, something. If, 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 it, if they know that they're, you know, meeting there, there should be some kind they, of... They did. So there was, a, there was a roughly, there used to be roughly a murder a year on Hampstead Heath in, the, in those areas. And the police started policing it, uh, you know, and that, and, that, and that went down anyway because societal attitudes have changed. What's particularly disturbing, though, here is I think it's the youth of the attackers. Yeah. And it would suggest that this is, maybe this is something a burgeoning... I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say, say that there's trend. You can't say there's trends no. on the basis of... You're always going to have... Why would a youngster from this brand new generation be homophobic? We wouldn't expect that. No, we, we wouldn't We wouldn't expect it, but there will always be these kinds of aberrations, yeah. you know. And I mean, I think you have to be careful not to paint a picture of, yeah. you know, oh, my God, this is happening. Every, it's a horrific, horrible thing. Mm. Yes. But I don't think it really reflects the wider oh, no, culture. No, I don't. Uh, I think that not. would be sort of, again, it's like pushing this uh, a fear... Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's, it's an aberration. This next story from The Guardian is about the conga, the ice shelf, not the dance, Miriam. Yes, so an ice shelf uh, in the Antarct Antarctica has melted and gone. Whoops. Um, it, you know, I think, again, this is all about climate change, isn't it? And us ruining the world. Uh, although a Dr. Catherine Coelho Walker, I can't say her middle name, I think says it, it won't have huge effects, mm. uh, most likely, but it's a sign of what might be coming. What is an ice shelf? I'm thinking of a fridge. I'm like, thinking a of a fridge. shelf in a fridge that fell over. It's not that, that, that it's fell over and cracked. It's actually a big. Apparently, it's the size of Rome. It's apparently a, this this area that collapsed is the size of Rome. That's a big, like a big old ice shelf. That's a big old ice like shelf. Like a chunk of land, really, isn't it? And, yeah. and uh, the issue is that clearly the planet is heating up. Mm. Should we be worried? That's the great debate, isn't it? That is the great debate. I'm, I don't claim to be uh, an expert. Uh, my issue is, I just don't know. I think it's always changed. I think the climate's always changed. Mm. I don't think there's ever been... I'm just worried that we're going to spaff trillions on tackling yeah. climate change in the yeah. way that we try to stop coronavirus. Yeah. And yes. in my view, dramatically it's a failed. Bit, it's a bit like trying to control things that are way beyond your control mm. and deceiving and also, yourself. Isn't it also a bit like... And, and having tighter government controls mm. on our life. I think that's really what but it is. But also when only half the world is having those measures as well. Yeah. Whilst well, China well, and China India China and India are to... polluting and... Uh, How's that going to work? Well, it's not. Mm. Um, it's more of a... It's a little bit utopian in my eyes. Mm. Uh... And it, and it Andrew, do you care to offer any balance in this uh, climate-denying well, chat we're having? I mean, no, but the, po the point you're making... <laughs> oh, that's it, done I mean, it. It's not quite what you're <laughs> How doing. How dare you it. question the orthodoxy, Miriam? Exactly. But aren't you saying more that, you know, we can lower our collective national carbon footprint, etc., but while China and, and these vast states have absolutely no regard for doing that, it is going to be just a drop in the ocean. It's not yes. really going to do much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it is quite important, though, with this article, I think, to remember that, you know, as you say, the experts saying this isn't going to have a massive effect. This no. is a, there was a few... Well, that's what they said at the beginning of coronavirus, but no one paid any attention. Well, do you think you raise an interesting point there? Do you think the credibility in what the media has to say about climate change has now been diminished 
because of what we've seen in the pandemic, where we were told this was the bubonic plague. Well, this just a complete lack of, of nuance or discussion where you hear multiple scientists talking about climate change. Everything becomes an orthodoxy mm. that is unchallengeable and, and drives government policy. Um, and I don't think that that's right or true. In fact, that, that kind of leads us down quite a dark path. Um, you should be able to question anything, but science is basically built on questioning, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, and if, if something is an orthodoxy and cannot be challenged, you should be immediately suspicious. Yes. Because if it cannot withstand critique or commentary, yeah, then or it's, being it becomes an ideology. Mm. Do you think we're in ideology territory? Well, it's very with... interesting. There's a kind of like a, a parallel between the COVID thing, where you view everybody as a, as a spreader of a disease, mm. and the climate change thing, where we're all diseased and we're d destroying the world. It's kind of a very misanthropic... Well, that human beings are parasites. <laughs> that, that it's basically viewing our fellow man as a parasite well, yeah. and that we're all destroying the world. That's, that's the genuine kind of undertone of it. And then the science is kind of like the, the fluff they throw on top of it to illustrate this kind of deeper psych, psychological point. And I just, I don't feel that that's entirely true. To, yeah. To be fair, though, they're not saying with this article... No, they're, is, not they're not saying They're not saying this is proof that the world is ending and we caused it. No. They're just pointing out that it's unusual, following uh, a few days of high temperature, that a, 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 an ice shelf the size of Rome collapsed. And so, yeah. you know, maybe we shouldn't draw the connection but, if they're not. I know. read an article about how bad coffee is for the environment, that it takes thousands of litres of water to make coffee, to, to make coffee beans. And you're thinking, well... If I can't have, if I can't drive a car, yeah. I can't fly anywhere, I obviously can't eat meat, good luck with that. I can't have a cup of coffee in the morning, I can't get drunk at night on what's red wine. Point? You can have what, a what's left? <laughs> you can have a Tesla and you can have a Pims. Oh, no, you can't have Pims. No, no, probably I not. Think so. Not in the morning. Good luck with that. Well, look, that one will run and run. It's a fascinating conversation. Yeah, it is. According to Saturday's Times, there is a methodology in place to prove the worth of that great British institution, the BBC, Andrew. Yes, so mm -hmm. uh, there is a study by uh, a group called MTM, it's a research company, uh, and what they have decided to do is to withdraw some of the BBC's services from various households uh, as a kind of uh, test to show those people how much they miss it. Because there's such scepticism at the moment about the, the um, licence fee. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, trust in this, is, uh, lots of people want it to be scrapped. And so what they're saying is, well, look, if we do this experiment and we show people that actually they're really going to miss it, this isn't the first time they did it. I didn't know this. So this article says uh, that they did this to us, to similar study back in 2015, and they found out that licence fee sceptics at the time did actually end up saying, oh, we missed that. We don't, you know, but things have changed very significantly since 2015. And I think this whole thing misunderstands the nature of the debate. The reason why people are sceptical about the licence fee, first and foremost, is not because, well, we can get everything we want on Netflix and streaming services and the rest mm. of it. It's because the BBC is seen as being ideologically partisan. Very, very, very clearly. And just to give you a very explicit example of this, <laughs> the other day there was an article, last week, there was an article on the BBC website talking about a serial killer in America 83-year-old woman who dismembered another elderly woman, had killed other women, and everyone's thinking, what's going on? You get to the end of the article, in a little aside, it says, um, this is someone who identifies as a woman. In other words, it was a man. It was a man, and they reported the whole article as though it's an elderly woman. That's why the people don't trust the BBC, because they can't be, they can't report And we're facts. paying them to perpetuate mm. right. that ideology. Exactly. Yes. Mm. Essentially. I mean, you could, I mean, if they paid me to not watch it, I'd, I'd go along with that. The thing is, I don't think too many people, <laughs> I don't think too many people are saying that the Beeb is all terrible. 
No, there's some fantastic content there. Yeah, yeah. It has a, a it's a global brand, isn't it? Yeah. Soft diplomatic power with the World Service. Some amazing programs on on the radio. Fantastic. Uh, and of course, some TV but hits there is as this well. This seeping ideology that mm. is kind of is 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 prevailing in it. I it's think. Yeah. Can you? It's, it's it's everywhere. I mean, I know because yeah. my children watch the children's BBC and all these things and Doctor Who and you know Doctor Who well no they're too young for that but even the under fives you, you do see kind of within the programmes I remember there was an episode of Bing where he sort of went out wearing a mask yeah I and that's I saw, quite disturbing. I saw I'm not familiar with Bing. <laughs> I saw characters <laughs> berating each other in, in, the, uh, in the Queen Vic for not having the vaccine. You know, they were very much, you know, oh, yeah. doing, doing yeah. the government's work. Yeah. And uh, did Doctor Who have a, a, a transgender alien giving birth? Or, or like, you know, it's just like, calm it's, down. <laughs> Calm down, all right? It's, yeah. You don't need to push it in no, every it's, opportunity. it's being pushed, yeah. Look, Identity. I don't want to knock another network because my oh. view is the more the merrier. Bring yeah. on the competition mm. from the Beeb. And therefore, I want the beef to be here forever. I think we have to have a debate about how it's paid for. Yes. That's where it comes in. You know, it's a little bit like saying, uh, you know, I want the choice to have a vaccine. That doesn't make you an anti-vaxxer. No. Um, not wanting the licence fee doesn't, make you, doesn't make you anti-BBC. It would be very strange to dismantle it, considering all of the investment we've put into it. No. But my I... issue culturally with the beef is that it just doesn't feel like there's a culture where it belongs to the whole country. No. I don't feel that the people that commission and make the programmes or the presenters that host them have an attitude which is, this is for everyone. No. It just doesn't feel that way to me. It feels no. like a lot of the output is for a narrow group in our society, yeah. quite middle class, centre-left politically, a yep. bit woke, yep. probably based in North London. Yeah, within Zone 4, yeah, Ideally. 3. <laughs> which is OK, they're entitled to watch TV too, but why not have a subscription service so that those people can have the BBC and we can have... You know, some things that I aren't think, preaching at us all the time. Yeah, they're very... Pre I don't think they realise that they are, though. That's the thing. They, they no, they don't. They don't realise And that how... lack of self-awareness could be their undoing. Yes. So, yeah. it, you know, because they've created this paradigm where any criticism is somehow driven by an irrational bias, that then there is literally no way to, to have that conversation. So they kind of need to, to realise that. And there's a sort of, sort of uh, snobbery and elitism to it as well, which I, I dislike. Yeah, well, I can't disagree. Fascinating. That's a conversation that, that will run and run, of course. But uh, here at GB News, we do like a bit of opinion. Uh, sorry, opinion, mm. of course we do, but a bit of competition. Mm. And in that, in that sense, bring it on. Saturday's independent now, and milk is becoming an increasingly <gasps> uneconomic proposition, Miriam. Well, no, they're selling a lot of milk. It's just they need more money. The farmers don't get the what the milk is worth, do they? No. So it's the a crime to me that it's sometimes milk is cheaper than <laughs> cheaper than water. Yes, basically mil milk is cheaper than water, but the, um, because of the recent so because of COVID and all the f fuel crisis and the fertilizer crisis and the crisis after crisis after crisis, uh, they are just basically operating at a loss. Mm. Um, but there is a huge global demand for our milk. Um, apparently, it says here. You know, it's up fifteen percent. So it's it's not something that that people they want to. I mean, I don't like almond milk. So, well, I was shocked to see the ingredients of almond milk recently because it can cost two pounds fifty a litre, right, and upwards of that, which is a hysterical amount of money. Yeah. And I looked at the ingredients, and I think it said it was six percent almonds, and the rest is water. <laughs> I mean, that's a business model, isn't it? 
Almond milk. Tiny, tiny amount of almonds. No, so is there like water. one almond in, in it? Like that. And it's just like <laughs> furiously blended together. You could you could look it up. There's one particular brand, it was six percent. I kid you 6%? not. Six percent? Yeah. That's nothing. It's not great, isn't That's it? That's a fraud. They've seen us coming. But, You'd like but, to uh, think it was packed full of almonds or absolutely crushed about that. And also I was drinking it for the protein so I could get, you know, get ripped. It would it's be not very unhealthy, though, Mark. Because if, if it was all almonds, it would be so calorific that it would be, you couldn't do it. It's a very good you point. You couldn't drink it. <laughs> I know what the solution to this is, though. I mean, this is, this company, Arla Foods, which yeah. is the fifth biggest dairy company in the world, saying costs are increasing like never before. Farmers can't cover expenses. We need to pay farmers more. Yeah. Is that, feat? can we just sort of bail out the industry like that and bring it up to the same level as Europe? I don't, I don't know. I don't or are, know they just, are they just milking it? Uh, Boom. Uh. That's why we pay the big bucks. <laughs> You can't follow that. So let's go to the mail. And Philip Pullman is in the news. Andrew, who is Philip Pullman? Philip Pullman wrote his Dark Materials novels. And right. um, uh, the, he wrote many, many wonderful books. He's, he's um, sort of philosophical fantasy books, a bit like Harry Potter. Yes. Uh, and he's, uh, he's now in a bit of trouble because he's, well, he's not in trouble. He's quit the Society of Authors mm. because he supported Kate Clanchy in this racist stereotyping route. And some people might not know what happened there exactly. But Kate Clanchy is a poet. She wrote an award-winning a uh, book about, it was called Some Kids I Taught and What They Taught Me about her time as a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and she was accused after the book came out, I and mean, honestly, a huge hit, won loads of awards, and then people said it was racist because of the depictions of certain children. But look, yeah. this was activists online saying that, in, in particular it was three activists online. Yeah. The kids she was depicting started saying, hang on a minute, that she's been brilliant for us, she's not racist, we don't find these terms offensive. Then there was agreement that Kate Clancy said, well, I'm going to rewrite the book with the publishers. We'll rewrite the book, put out a less offensive version. But that didn't happen. The publisher just ended up dropping her. Oh. And then she wrote this wonderful piece on Unheard talking about how the, the rise of these sensitivity readers, where publishing houses now have someone, yeah. they'll read an author's book and they say, no, you can't use that metaphor, you can't use that language, because that's offensive. And those kind of people are the last people you want regulating art no. or creativity, because no. they, they lack it. They don't have it. They only think ideologically. They're moralists. Yeah, they're moralists. Exactly. And they're anything priests. problematic will also probably be quite artful and interesting and engaging, and therefore it will be it will be chopped out, won't it? And yeah. also, you can see what happens when someone goes against it because Pullman supported Clanchy and people saying, well, you can't say that. You can't be in the Society of Authors while you're making these claims. Mm. How weak they didn't are. She, How in, weak. in her passages, didn't she just very artfully describe characters of colour? Yes. Yes, she did. It, well, and it, wasn't, it, was just, it was just this sort of very luscious description of all sorts of different people and their physical features. Yes. Was that her main crime? Yes. Even though she's... Her actual life has been educating children. Because if I wrote about Andrew Doyle, I'd write about his gorgeous freckles. I don't have freckles. His Roman nose. <laughs> Maybe I've got a Roman nose. I can find freckles on you. Okay, you can, give, you can draw some can, on me. I can see one. <laughs> now you're you talking. Like. And let's head now to Saturday's Mail and a story that threatens to affect the art form of movie making itself, Andrew. Oh. Yes, so um, this is something that the BAFTAs did a while ago, but this is now the Academy of Motion Picture will disqualify films from certain categories, best picture specifically, actually, if they do not have sufficient numbers of black, gay and disabled actors in the cast and crew. Uh, so at all levels, so it's not just it's cast and crew, it's production, marketing, financing, distribution, uh, even internships. So they're saying at every level you've got to have 30% uh, representation. Now, and this, this, again, you know, we talked earlier about 
the way in which the, the, the woke left are, are ill-equipped to deal with art. These are created people creating works of art, right? Yeah. You can't regulate that with like a pie chart of how many people fit group identity and how they can, you know, this is ridiculous. I mean, for instance, this, the, the Kenneth Branagh's recent film, Belfast, mm. which of course is set, in, you know, just before the troubles in Northern Ireland, if there were 30% black people in the <laughs> cast, it would look ridiculous, right? It it's completely not racist. inaccurate. It's not completely inaccurate. <laughs> it's not racist to point that out. And, you know, so I just think, by all means, if you, you know, if you want to make films with um, diversity, great, I'm all yeah. for it. But, but putting these prescriptions on filmmakers it and saying, bit, it's just nuts. It's ridiculous. You must have disabled. We must see them all the time. It's just ridiculous. If it's not necessary in the plot, then why? Will there be a point where the public <laughs> reject this, Miriam? I think it's so insane. And, you know, and these people are so unhinged and far from reality and obsessed with... They don't even know, like I said earlier, it's like the people at the BBC, they don't know that they are in the grasps of an ideology. Um, it, I think it's all like... A, it's. To me, it's like a cornflakes packet. You know, there's so many different diverse things to collect and mm. it's all very superficial. They're really not interested in content, meaning and narrative. They are, it, it is literally uh, shallow. And I understand that there should be representation, but people essentially want to be acknowledged for their talent, yeah. for what they do. They don't want to be identified because of what they look like. That's the whole point. Yeah, but it's um, and I the, think that that is, and to, to force it on people is 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 ridiculous. To force it on art, yeah, but isn't <laughs> is it ridiculous? The, it's a failure to recognise that things have changed. You know, if it were the case that all the films that were produced were just straight white men in every role, then I'd be saying, come on, what's going on? No, but that's in, not. It hasn't been the case the for case. decades. And you go back to you go back to like the eighties, where there were no black artists being shown on MTV. It was really important. That, you know, when Billie Jean turned up, it changed everything. And yeah, in those circumstances, uh, hold fire. Michael Jackson wasn't black, but carry on. But well, he was then. Oh, but, the, but, but the point is, like, it, it was like this. this it, when it's necessary, when it's needed, I, I can get on board with it. Mm. When you know, we, you know, we had the BBC Absolutely. saying it was going to spend a hundred million to improve its diversity. When the statistics show that minority groups representation on the BBC is above the national average. So there's no problem there to fix. Like what, mm. that's why it makes no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, what is the answer? I mean, are you supposed to have an exact replication of, you know, how diverse our society is and that's what you see on screen? Is it mathematical? Is there an algorithm? Not if you're making a film about Dunkirk or if you're making a- it it, it, it Actually, what, what Andrew says, it depends on what the film is about. If the film is about an urban neighborhood where you know you have various diverse communities, well, of course that is the case. But if it's about Dunkirk, it's about Dunkirk. And, I, and you can't lie or rewrite history. I mean, Motown this wasn't what, very diverse, was it? And thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, and sure, if you're going to make a film about Motown, you wouldn't want it to be largely populated by white actors. I mean, it's, but also, it was, it's, uh, I mean, it was it was a generation of extraordinarily ta talented African American composers and producers who were behind the extraordinary musical revolution that yeah. was yeah. Motown. Right. And um, you know, I mean, there were white artists on Motown, but not many. And it, it, it's like among the greatest music we've ever heard. The Beatles weren't very diverse. They were four pale, skinny lads from Liverpool. And what I'm really worried about is, uh, you know, like sticking your oar in when it comes to art means. to tick boxes. I mean, I, you know, I personally, I put together a show or if I've got a team, I do want a diverse team because I want different voices, different backgrounds, different opinions. And, no, no. and I think that's the right thing to do. But the idea of rules and quotas. Mm. But no one's against that. No, one, no yeah. one's against hiring 
people from minority groups in these roles. Right. No. It's, it's, it's the idea, but, but you know, to shackle a filmmaker in terms of you must do this, it limits what you can make your films about. You know, it's it, and that's so. No one's against the, the 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 principle of diversity. Or if you want to do like an all black, sh like the Wiz was a really interesting thing to do. It was radical, an all black uh, Wizard of Oz, fantastic. Now, if they did it, it would be boring and banal because it'd be a sort of establishment thing. Mm. Um, it is so establishment. But that's the point of it. It's, it's really like. But also, I mean, it's only until these quotas go that we've got true equality, right? So yeah. in, in a way, we should be working well, towards it's, it's, not having quotas. Yeah, and and as I say, though, you know, in some circumstances where there is injustice built into a system. Then when you need the quotas, if you take like the, uh, the PSNI in, in Northern Ireland, when you had the policing service where Catholics were not there, they just yeah. weren't there. <laughs> it was necessary to, to implement quotas in order to address that. With, a, 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 with a Hollywood as diverse and broad as, as it, it is, is, and the films as, as broad as they are, uh, you don't need to do this. What you're doing when you do this, in fact, is you're basically saying, you're finger wagging at the audience and saying, we think you're all homophobes and racist, yeah. so we need you to see all this. Briefly, I wonder whether art that is made outside of these restrictions, that ignores the Oscars, uh, might become very well viewed by audiences because yeah, it, it will, will have, have huge... an authenticity to it and a truth because it won't have been put together by it... a box ticks exercise. Yeah. No, in fact, the, 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 the counterculture that will come will be huge. Absolutely huge. And, and essentially, they're, they're going to lose their audience because all they do is insult their audience. And what, they, what I hate about it really deep down is it's not about those communities. Yeah. Mm. It's about using them to make this narcissistic point about how good you are and how much you care about the poor victims. Mm. But you don't, really. It's just a, a chess move. Yeah. Really? I agree. I agree. And a boring game of chess <laughs> at that. The Guardian now and Kim Jong-un, a good friend of mine, is upping his PR budget, it seems, Miriam. He's really gone Hollywood, speaking he's of Hollywood. Gone, yeah, he's gone. By the way, we, we don't have the video, but I did watch it earlier and I can tell you it was worryingly not diverse. It, it was. It's terrible. In North Korea, they have no diversity. He's got a new rocket. The rocket man's back. So, yeah, he has done a sort of Top Gun treatment to his new film with his, to, to show off his big red missile. And he's, he's looking a bit like Tom Cruise, isn't he? He's, he's got, got, well, he's short. Aviators. <laughs> he's got his, his sunglasses <laughs> yes. and a leather jacket. And a leather jacket. I'm assuming vegan leather. Um, yeah, it's an amazing film. I haven't, I haven't actually seen it, but... I saw it, I just... I've just seen the description of it. It sounds hilarious oh, enough. Well, I mean, it's, you just think, what is she like? like so the thing is, that <laughs> it's kind of it's so diva-ish. It's so dramatic and it's just, you know, it's, 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 it's more of this, but you know, it's so <laughs> grotesque really because, you know, the people of that country are malnourished, they are. mistreated, Horrific. And, and, and Kim Jong-un is, is splashing all out on a big advert for his new rocket and you just think this is really, it's really grotesque. Kind what of mirrors Hollywood in a way, doesn't it? Just a bit. There are parallels. <laughs> Let's see if we can power through a few more stories before we go because we've got some real corkers, haven't we? Yeah. How about the Times next and the Bank of England getting serious about cryptocurrency, Andrew? Well, they're worried about it, aren't they? So the, 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 the Bank of England is now saying we're going to set some rules when, it, when it's regarding cryptocurrency. And of course, well, <laughs> the, I mean, the point of cryptocurrency <laughs> is that you can't set it's there to be an, an, an unregulatable yeah. uh, form of currency so that we don't get the government uh, intervening. They, people see it's like yeah. a kind of 
uh, Wild West. It, it is something I, I literally don't understand, and I've had it explained to me a million times. That's quite unfortunate because you're being paid in Bitcoin tonight, I'm afraid. Oh, so it's not. See, there it is. It's, it's there. It's just in I've my just, hand. I've now. actually just WhatsApped it to you. But it, it's, it's currency that's the equivalent exist, of eleven pounds, right? by the way. And it, can I say yeah. worth every penny? It's yeah. You know, I think I'm it's fine with that. Being on minimum Bitcoin wage <laughs> is fine. But it's really grown, hasn't it? And there's some stats yeah. in this article about how you know it, it's. It's the um, global crypto market surged in size from 0.13 trillion in 2019 to 2.9 wow. trillion dollars last November. It's right. fallen down a bit to 1.7 trillion dollars. But even so, I mean, it's, it's, it is huge and it probably is the future. Yeah. Maybe. And I think the Bank of England are scared, basically. They're losing their power grip. Yeah. What do you think about this idea that there's this great conspiracy to get us all away from cash and the normal money what, system? To like a digital voucher system mm. where we're all barcoded. Oh, I don't like that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's like from the Book of Revelation. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you have a symbol you said tattooed the wrong... onto, your, onto your forehead. I do wonder about all this debt, though. If every country is sort of in so, so, so much debt, can they just press a button and sort of zero everything out? I wouldn't rule that out, to well, be maybe. honest. But if they, and if they move to crypto, does that mean that all the money we're saving in our banks, that will just, that will be nothing? Well, they're I mean, talking about this, this digital identity. Hmm. So, I, there is, I mean, it's not a conspiracy if they're just talking about it quite openly and they yeah. all signed up to it. I don't know, if, is that conspiracy? No, I don't think so. You do it's wonder just someone whether, going, actually, whether... I'd really like it if everybody just did what I said. You do and wonder whether they... sort of the conventional monetary system can survive the next de few decades. Do I don't think... think... That's true, but isn't it the case that with cryptocurrency, though, you can just invent one? Hmm. And some people have invented them as jokes. There was that Dogecoin, which was a picture of a dog, <laughs> and that, that yes, internet that. meme dog. And it was set up as a joke, and now it's worth a fortune. So <laughs> so even a prank can be... So I just don't know. Well, like, sure, it is interesting, because, you know, with all those vaccine mandates in Canada, mm. they, they went for people's uh, bank accounts... They did. ..who supported the truckers. And I thought, well, this is that's incredible. Um, that's incredibly socialist move, isn't it? Like a, a like yeah. big government, you know. You say the wrong thing, I, you know, we'll we'll delete your savings. I, that is actually quite scary to me. So in a way, they couldn't this. do that with this. So it right. is kind of a a force for freedom in some ways. I think. There you go. Well, Dolan Coin starts on Monday at nine a.m. <laughs> do invest. <laughs> the Times is reporting that machines are taking over NHS workers' jobs. Are comedians going to take the same route, Miriam? Say that again. Sorry. No, not. <laughs> I don't blame you. No, this is uh, very interesting. This story about uh, machines in the NHS. Ah, yes. So there's this huge, huge waiting list because everybody stayed at home for two years and no one did anything. I can't um, believe that didn't like go well. Really surprised. It, it, for some reason, it just totally backfired. And now there's I thought it would be fine. millions of people who've got loads of problems uh, that they need. Uh, so they basically found these gadgets to help them, including a mini balloon that is used to create to treat chronic sinusitis. How do you say that, sinusitis? It's inserted into a patient nose and inflated, and then it gets rid of headaches and things like that. But basically, there's just little, little, little gadgets. <laughs> there's just little cheap, gadgets though. that you can shove in your ear or up your nose. And this whatever. is gonna make a difference to- Yeah, the, the millions of people. It's gonna save apparently 57.5 million a year with the NHS, and you know, they, are, they, they need it. The waiting list at an all-time high. They need something. They definitely yeah. need something. Well, let's hope it works. Andrew, what's this I hear from the Metro about people making the metaverse more kinky? 
Well, I mean, the metaverse seems kinky enough. What is it? it? <laughs> I mean, it's basically a virtual reality world concocted by Mark Zuckerberg, where you basically sit on with the helmets on your head yeah, and you don't interact with people face to face anymore. A bit like... Oh, oh life, no, Andrew, no. Exactly. Maybe it's better because you can make yourself look as wonderful Hi, guys. as you like. Well, we're in the headliners metaverse, aren't we? Yeah, this isn't we're... real. We're all strapped into a, a thing over there in the studio. Hello, Can I just say you've got freckles in the metaverse? Yeah, my avatar has freckles. That's absolutely right. Um, but this... So the idea is, though, that they're going to actually attach gadgets to, to your arm and things that will make you feel pain. So they'll sort of have sort of uh, connections with your nerves mm. so that you can inflict pain and feel pain within the metaverse. I mean, come on, I this like is that. th that's no, it's this is where the Matrix is. You know, you can how it's all a false thing, but you can actually die in the Matrix because you can feel the pain in the th This is I know I've read enough dystopian fiction to know this is not a good idea. I think, you know, if I raise two young boys, they get into the metaverse when they hit 10, 15 Probably years old, right. and I want to get them off and say, do the bloody dishes, I can slap them in the metaverse. Oh, that's quite oh, nice. Oh, that's a good point. You won't get in trouble. <laughs> There's no punishment. social services. There's no social service. I say it's, metaverse. You know. There might be, though. The social services might create an account. Oh, what? And they might, <laughs> and they might be scary in the metaverse. They'll slap you. <laughs> They'll probably be like big ogres in the metaverse because you can be anything. Get out of there and do the bloody dishes. Well, I happen to know the metaverse is populated by attractive, freckled men. <laughs> Our last story is from the Mail Online. Andrew, tell me about this monster in the Cotswolds. Size isn't everything, is it? Yeah, this is actually Miriam's story, and I don't want to—I okay, wouldn't okay. want to deprive you of it because I know you love it's monsters. It's the I, one I, about I the chihuahuas. I you there. Uh, it's, it's, it's about the, the chihuahuas, yes? The yeah. Two, yes. Two, well, so, they're Mexi the Mexican. They've actually these two little dogs are basically terrorising this yeah. Cotswold village. Yeah. They've been actually um, attacking a retired police dog, and people, locals, have referred to them as the Mexican hooligans. What a way to racialize <laughs> a racist. dispute. What well, is effectively a canine dispute? Correct. But there's you know. a hierarchy of dog power, and chihuahuas are at the top, and we all know that. Uh, do you think that maybe the Cotswolds should build a wall and get the Mexican chihuahuas to pay for it? That would be the way to do it. <laughs> but they're weirdly aggressive, aren't they? Not Mexicans, um, chihuahuas. They are, they are weirdly aggressive beasts. When you yeah. actually, you know, they're so small, yeah. you think they're just like a little rodent that you can throw about. Not that I do that with rodents, but you know what I mean. And when you actually meet them, they are ter they have terrible Fierce. personalities. Fierce. Get yourself a dashand or a whippet. Much nicer creatures. Yeah, sausage dog. Uh, that's right. These smaller breeds, they have to be a bit tougher because they get sort of taken advantage of. It's a bit like mm. many military leaders. Napoleon, he was small. That's exactly right. I mean, he was the chihuahua of his day. He was the chihuahua Putin, of his day. Putin, Putin is Russia's chihuahua, isn't he? How, how He's not really a Russian bear. He's famously short. I mean, if only that guy was tall, we wouldn't have these problems. It's all I'm saying. <laughs> you think it's short man syndrome, ultimately? <laughs> Name me the last short very tall person syndrome. that caused any problems in the world. Oh. Chris Terrence, Jeremy Clarkson, me. Darth Vader, he was pretty tall. Peter, Peter, um, is that tall footballer? You're like a BFG. That's the plan. Is <laughs> that tall footballer? The world's tallest footballer, isn't he? Peter Crouch. Crouch. Thank you so much, Daryl. Crouch. But as I've said, size isn't everything. Can I thank you both for a supreme overview of today's big stories and for being serious in the wrong places and silly in the right ones. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.